Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Albert Campa and Joel with episode 159, Cantina MX Podcast. What's, what's, what's going on, Joel? Kibule Chiquis. Just here enjoying a nice cold brew. <laughs> I'm over here freezing. It's like 50 degrees in Texas. It's pretty windy over here. Not cold, but very windy. Oh, yeah. So, on the agenda for today, starting off with, uh, I just want to talk to Chile. Chile. Yeah, the the Chile match, playing Querétaro, that was, that put an end to the Tuca experiment. His, uh, his short stint once again with the national team and if anything, that was that was a way to get a lot of the young players, a lot of the new players, get them in the mix now because they're looking to renovate or rebuild the selección. And uh, the results weren't, you know, nothing to write home about. But considering the, you know, the, the opponents they played and, and that it was a young squad, you know, it, it was, it was, there was a lot of positive, you know, things because they played, they played in Uruguay that was pretty much the World Cup, you know, the World Cup squad. The Costa Rica was also the World Cup squad. Um, and then, and then they faced Chile who didn't qualify to the World Cup, but the quality of players that they have and they play in the, some of the top teams in the world. It's still a very talented Chilean team, uh, and they're still they're the they're the reigning uh, campeones of of the Copa America. They beat Argentina uh, in the in the centenario, and so that was that was you know a very strong team, and and then of course the defeat to the U.S., which is you know important to note because the U.S. is doing. Pretty much the same thing as Mexico. They're they're rebuilding their team, and um, you know, I, I still think of Mexico with with um, when you add some of the veteran players, they'll be much stronger. I think the U.S. doesn't have that, just because they they had like less, they have less players in their pool, and and some of their Better talent is on their way out, like Dempsey and and Bradley. I don't I don't think they're going to be they're going to be as uh you know. Well, yeah, people are complaining. A, people are complaining that Bradley's still around, and like yeah, some of the well, other guys are still around. Yeah, but they help. You know, they help when you have like a handful of like of their young talent that we we mentioned here earlier. Uh, some of the players like, like Green, who played in the, when was it, in the World Cup with, um, 2014, man. He's, yeah. he's still a pretty young guy. Uh, George Wea, not George Wea, um, George Wea's son, I, f- I forget his first name. Uh, he's 18, also promising wood. They, they got a few others coming up through the ranks. Uh, but, but it's important because like, you know, you, you can't not talk about the U.S. 
if if you're talking about Mexico and same with U.S. just because of the rivalry, you know, in the region. And there's a lot that's going on between both countries as they're set to host the World Cup in 2026. Uh, there, there's been recent talk that they might even do a joint league or a cup tournament, you know, um, between Mexico, U.S., probably Canada. And then just recently, Conmebol, the South American Football Confederation, confirmed that they're in talks to bring in MLS and Liga MX back into Copa Libertadores. And if that happens, obviously, we're talking about more, you know, same participation of these countries back in Copa America. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Uh, one thing, one thing I noted out of the Chile friendly was, well, you, you talked about like some of the older players. The Chile game, I think Tuca wanted to, wanted <clears throat> to do well against Chile, especially since the 7-0. So there was a lot of, like they had, he had, uh, he had Tecatito, he had Chucky, he had Raul Jimenez, he had like a lot of the, a lot of the good players, a lot of the starting players. Yes. And, and they went out, they went out like giving all their effort. Really well, Araujo to... made his comeback. For yeah, Araujo. Note, Araujo is defender. Uh, for those that don't know, he is. Yeah, he did good. Yeah, he was good leading into the leading into the the 2018 World Cup. He was he was regarded as the best Mexican defender in Liga MX, and and arguably one of the better ones. You know, because they'll draw comparisons between him and uh, Hector Moreno. But it was a big loss. He got injured and he missed out on the World Cup. And then um, he got picked up by Celta de Vigo, which is being coached by Turco Mohamed, who was at Monterrey. And he's been doing good in La Liga. And well, at least the games I saw, he's look good. He did, uh, did good. He did good last yeah. night, I think. And so they, you know, he's back in La Selección, and and that's. That's that's when you know the selection is gonna be much stronger when you bring in even like Hector Moreno and Salcedo and some of these other guys that haven't gotten a call. Yeah, I think uh, I think the the older guys did okay. Tecatito, everyone was saying he did really well, but towards the end, like his final touch was always not too not too good. Um, even the young guy, I think Gutierrez played really well, and uh, yes. Well, he scored a golazo, man. Um, he oh, scored yeah, a golazo in the. No, no, no. The other, the other. Oh, I, got, I, got, the... I got him confused, man. I got him confused. I was, I was thinking the other guy. Is the beer talking cheekies? Don't, don't. Oh, Eric Gutierrez hasn't. Yeah, I don't think he scored for the national team. But for PSV, he did score a. Uh, one golazo a few games back. Yeah, um, so the, the loss was 1-0 defeat to Chile. Pretty yeah. tough loss since it came at the final minutes of the match. Uh, that would have been a nice tie. Well. Hugo, Hugo Gonzalez was doing well the whole the whole match until the end where he, he failed. He he bounced the ball back to the Chilean player. Yeah, well, it was, you know, a difficult, difficult shot. But yeah, he could have done better. It was a difficult shot. It's a low shot. Um, well, they're like always taught as a goalkeeper. The to, 
you're always taught to to deflect that out, deflect that out to the sides. Yes. Or over the crossbar, but yeah, it's sometimes it doesn't doesn't happen. And then yeah, you can also blame Reyes. Reyes didn't track back, but that that's always that always happens to defenders. They're they're not as hungry as an off- offensive guy trying to score a goal. And uh, Nico Castillo, former former Pumas player, beat beat Diego Reyes to the ball and scored. Yeah, when you know, and speaking of, because if you guys were watching the match on Univision, uh, the first fourteen minutes they were on the little screen because the U.S. game was still being played. <laughs> they were yeah. playing Peru, so I missed it, uh, Chiquis. How did that match end? Because I've been keeping pretty close tabs on the on the Yanks, just to gouge how they're oh. gonna do. Oh, I missed I missed the goal, but uh. I missed both goals actually, but the U.S. was losing 1-0 towards the end, and I was tuning in, and I got distracted. And apparently, and the next thing I see is the U.S. score a goal to tie it up, and it was that guy Sergeant, that guy Sergeant. Um, I guess he's like a, a young player, a big guy coming up, um, tied up the game, and it ended up one. Oh no, no, one one. I got I got it wrong. Yeah, the U.S. is up one. Oh, shoot, I don't even remember. Peru, Peru tied it in the 86. Peru, t- Peru yeah, U.S. was yeah. up one by Sargent, and then the Peru tied it at the at the end of the game. Yeah, I, I don't know that Sargent guy. But uh, <laughs> I expect them to be very competitive. Um, You know, I, I think they're going to challenge for the Gold Cup. And then CONCACAF, they're going to do what Europe is doing with the League of Nations. CONCACAF is going to have a similar League of Nations. So I think uh, in both tournaments... Uh, I see them doing pretty good. I see them doing pretty good. And then you have uh, Costa Rica, who just announced Matosas as coach. So it's interesting to see what he's going to bring to the table. And that's also a team that's going to need some renovation. I mean, they're using some of their older players, and that could backfire, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying Costa Rica. Well, like, since you've you've been uh, really looking at the U.S. team, and that sort of made me do do so as well. I think they're they are going to be really good. I initially thought earlier this year that they you know they're they're on a downhill, but with this youth and just with their style of play being really physical and being really defensive, organized well on the defensive side, yeah, um, I think they're going to cause Mexico problems. And and you know one thing they've always excelled in has been in the physical aspect. Yeah, they they've always been. That's that's something where they they I was watching one of the um it was I think it was a road it was like a road to uh to Brazil 2014 and they were it was like a kind of like a documentary and and they were doing the physical preparation and something that one of the US players said it stuck to me and he was saying um you know the other teams might be more talented or they might have these you know, world-class players, you know, or more more tradition, more whatever he says. But he's like, they're not going to beat us in in the physical game, you know. He yeah. said, we're, if, if we could excel in anything, it's going to be in this conditioning and, and, and outrunning everyone. And, and, and I was like, whoa. So, I mean, they, they take that very serious. So I think and, – and, you know, the way the game has evolved – it is way more physical. Uh, I'm gonna try to look. There's some stats that came out uh, from FIFA, and they were talking about, you know, 
uh, the numbers, how they've improved. For example, shots from outside goal, uh, the accuracy, also like goals from corner kicks, how many, you know, how it's, it used to be one out of every like 40. Now it's one of every 30. So, so stuff like that. So yeah, the game has definitely become way more physical now. It's important to have uh, really good athletes. Yeah. If you, yeah, because I think technical ability and tiki taka type of style play can can beat beat teams uh, if you play it right. But if if the U.S. if you, if you can't play it to a high level, I think the U.S. style of play of bunkering back and playing strong defensively can frustrate. And we've seen it frustrate the Mexican players, and, the, and you know they get they get all upset and. Well, they already beat us again. <laughs> just, yeah. just off the bat, and this friendly, they already got a win. Which I wouldn't be worried. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be worried just because I think uh, at the end of the day, when Mexico brings in other other top players, they will be that much more stronger. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. One th- one thing I do take away from the Chile game, and actually all the friendlies recently, is that. Uh, I don't, I don't think Tuka, and this is experimental stuff, what he was yeah. doing, but I don't think, I don't see much, much, uh, I didn't see great things out of Tuka. I wasn't impressed. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. A lot of people weren't even, weren't happy about having Tuka. I was sort of indifferent, but, uh, I, I didn't think he was going to be the solution of anything. I'm, I'm more excited for Tata Martinez. Oh, well, Tata I mean- Martino. That's, that's like, that's, that we see with, um, prevailing theme with Mexico fans where they expect the team to, just because a certain coach comes in, to, like, to raise to this level, you know, to all of a sudden, or play this certain way. And a lot of times we, um, you know, we kind of like romanticize. So, mm-hmm. so we, we've done it with, um, with La Volpe, even, even, even I was reading about Martino and someone brought up La Volpe and he said, I was reading the comments, um, you know, cause uh, there was an announcement recently that the announcement was from TV Azteca. They were saying that it is a done deal that the Argentine, uh, Gerardo Tata Martino is gonna take over the selection in December once his contract with MLS side Atlanta runs out, um, or ends. And so, so, um, so I was reading some of the comments and, and this guy said the only foreign coach where that I've seen Mexico play really good was La Volpe. And it was true, but it was like a handful of games. <laughs> you know, there's a few games where Mexico looked really good. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch where it was pretty bad, man. <laughs> They're pretty forgetful. And that's, that's just what happened. We forgot. Um, but I don't, I don't see it that way where we expect too much from the coach. I'm, I'm more in the line of thinking where they say a coach, you know, he's only going to bring in about 15%, you know, of how a team does. And then the rest is the players, you know. So, so depending on the quality of players you have, that, that to me is more indicative of how well the team is going to do. Um, yeah. So with, with, to me, for like, with Ferretti, 
I think he did a good job with with this youth. I really like how the team would not fall apart. A lot of times when they were getting outplayed, outhustled, I felt that they, you know, they showed me this attitude that they didn't just give up, you know, compared to to the selection under JCO, where I felt a few times the team would just sometimes surrender, you know, oh. where the, the, the going got tough, and then they just packed it packed it in, and it was like, all right. Maybe that's maybe that's a lingering mentality from because that's that's what happened long ago, like from two thousand two. That generation had that mentality, like with the U.S. and the World Cup, and then even after that, all the two zeros, uh, they would pack <laughs> they would pack it in on a regular basis. And then maybe that's sort of that mentality sort of going away as these generations go away, and these youth, like that's yeah, that's one thing I do like what Tuka did was bring in the youth. Yeah, he was. You know, and he proved a lot of people wrong because they were saying Tuca doesn't work with youth. He's not gonna, he's not gonna give them a chance. And then once he did it in both, because there was two, you know, four games, two separate call-ups, uh, then people just sort of forgot. You know, no one said, "Hey, we were wrong." <laughs> they just moved on to the next, to the next thing. Uh, but I, I do think he's they're they're working pretty well as a group. I'm gonna mention um, Dennis DeClose, who was the um, he was working with the with the youth national teams from Mexico before he took over his current role. He's like sporting director now of the national team. So I think uh, I do think that they're keeping tabs on like the players they're calling up, and and they they have a good idea of which of which players are going to to be there, and and you know. <laughs> When we when we talk about players, it's it's about eighty players that end up getting called up in the four year cycle. Eighty players, man. That's basically yeah. any player in Liga MX is doing good, he's gonna get called up. Does that 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 includes uh, Jonathan Gonzalez? All <laughs> of them, dude. Any 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 player that that's titular, pretty much every. T- Mexican titular in Liga MX is going to get a call up sooner or later, which is alarming because it's, it shows how very little, you know, there's not that many players that, that your chances are that good to get a cap. Yeah. But even if you do like, cause I, somebody tweeted today, uh, that they were upset or it was upsetting that Jonathan Gonzalez didn't get to start or didn't get to play, I think in this last yes. game. And I just asked why. I mean, I think I called it a long time ago. I was like, it could very easily be that he gets called up these few early times and everyone's really high on him. And then, like, in a year or so, he's just, like, lost. He's gone. Well, I mean, and that's, he could have had an injury. People. He could have had a sprain or some light injury, and they're not going to risk him. Okay, so that's, yeah, that's one scenario. Huh? Yeah, that's one scenario. You know, because I, he is, he is, um, he's going to play an important role. I mean, he's going to get called up with the youth national teams as well. Uh, he's going to be part of the Olympic squad. He's going to be in the Proceso, man. We've been, we've called it before. I just think people jumped the gun because when they brought him in and then you had all these fans passing out and they were talking about it, they, he was going to get taken to the, um, he was going to get taken to the World Cup. 
And yeah. I remember I posted, now more likely the Olympics, which are in October. And I guarantee you he's going to be on the Olympic squad. Yeah, that's, the, that's, what I was, that's what I was mentioning, sort of like the it's, – it's like since we, since we talk Mexican soccer in English and, and that guy's Mexican-American, we identify and we like, oh, he's Mexican-American just like me. I yeah. like he, needs to, he needs to get his chance. He needs to start. And think if he doesn't – think if he uh, doesn't pan out, like after the Olympics and after all these matches, uh, you know, it's sort of like, okay, this dude, you know, uh, wasted his shot or, you know, he gave up the U.S. team. And if it doesn't work for Mexico, then now what he does? <laughs> well, now what he did, what does he do? I guess it's just back to the club. But uh, Yeah. Yeah, no, but I, I don't think he's wasted. It's his opportunity to waste, you know. It's not wasted because he chose Mexico. It would only be wasted if he doesn't, if he doesn't maintain, if he doesn't maintain a quality, you know, a, if he's not consistent with with his with his quality yeah. of play. That's the yeah, only that's a, way he would get dropped. Other than that, he's he's on the right path. Yeah, that's, I, I that's what I think is a possibility. Yeah. That's a very good. Oh, like it's for always me, a possibility. Yeah, for any yeah. player, it's a possibility, but I, I think especially for oh, there you are, Bella. that type of... You're down on the Pocho players, chickies. You have little faith. Yeah, I got little faith <laughs> in the Pochos. No, no, Pocho power, man. Um, yeah, there hasn't been too many. There hasn't been too many that have, you know, romperla. There's probably been some in the past, we just didn't hear about it, you know? Some other players way back. Um it just wasn't an issue back then. But yeah, he's, he's one of the hopes. But I think they'll be continue, especially with, 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 you know, the leagues merging and all this, uh, more teams, especially MLS making more teams, you know, um, I, I do think we're, we're going to see more, uh, Mexican American players, uh, you know, on both sides of the border. Yeah, I don't know about the the merging. I don't know what what to think of that. If that's a good idea, or I tend to think not. But well, I, I think in the long run it is. I mean, the way that the Mexican teams are seeing it is that they already reach a cap. They already reach a limit. I should say not a cap. They already reach a limit on how many teams can maintain a competitive squad. Or, or how much more can they grow? You know, because you have a, you know, you have Liga MX and when, and to still have teams like Lobos, Wuap, you know, creeping into first and, and with like a 5k stadium and can't get TV deals, it, it, you know, it, it kind of brings, brings a quality, nothing against Lobos, but it sort of brings down the prestige and the quality of the league. You know? Yeah. Which I don't think it should. <laughs> but but the way that football is now, you know, with all the big signings and very expensive, you know. Well, I think I think all all leagues like Spanish, the Spanish league, is pretty much a two team league. Like what? Yeah. Like, they, they, so so they all all teams all leagues have like real mediocre sort of teams. No, I know, but but the way that you know Liga MX fancies itself, they've been trying to become like kind of like the Premier League, where they want all the teams to have like 
the fancy stadiums. And, and we've been seeing, you know, it's, it's something we were talking about since like the early 2000s. I don't know if you remember how when uh, they were filtering all that news, you know, that we, we used to write about it on a, on big soccer. And then, you know, the news was coming out how it used to be Primera A, you know, Mexico's yeah. Primera A wants to, and then they were going to call it La Premier, Mexican Premier League. And and this goes back to like early, yeah, like around 2005, that, that this info was coming out. And since then, which has been a good 13 years, you know, uh, we've seen like new stadiums being built, you know, and we've seen or stadiums being renovated and improved, you know. So I, I do think they've been pushing for that, but I think they they kind of realize like, okay, there's only so many teams that are going to be able to do it. The rest of the teams are never going to, they're never going to get it together. And there's been like a lot of corruption with, with like the small, you know, the, the government of towns using, using the teams to like launder money and whatnot. Yeah. And, and yeah, so they're, that's one thing they're trying to cut off where they're saying, Okay, the the state can can have stock in the club. Pachuca. <laughs> but, well, yeah, Pachuca is one of them. But it's Pachuca. They got you could say they got grandfathered in. Uh, but I, I I'm not sure if that happened with Lobos. Uh, but I know there's there's there was talk about it with um, which is. There was talk about it when the Liga MX was announcing that they were cutting off, um, they were cutting off the promotion relegation. And that was part of it because they were trying to get rid of all these investors that were going into like the second division, the Liga de Ascenso, and then just using the teams to, you know, just for money, money reasons. Not so much because they, they want to own a team, but how they could use the team to to move money. So like Pachuca, like as you mentioned, like the, the state or the governor like gave them all this land where and then they don't pay taxes. So it's it's a, it was a lot of shady stuff going on there. Where it's like it was it was the people were paying for it, you know, without getting anything in return. Yeah, shady stuff. I don't know. I, I think the I think the travel might is, would be an issue if the MLS and League MX combine, and then uh, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, depending how they do it, you know, they could do a they could do it by divisions. They could do the, you know, they, yeah, they could do it by something out. Huh? I, I like to I'm keep like, things separate. Like, I like I like to keep things separate. But uh, separate but equal, chickies. It seems like yeah. It seems like they they they're looking for money. They're looking for U.S. money. Well, yeah. I mean that this is the big market, though. They, I think if if um if if you're looking at at where football could become a big thing, it's it's in the U.S. Uh, there was even was it in the um what was it? There was like I think a documentary on Man City. 
and they were talking about like how like the markets that they look for when when they were trying to like push their product and that was like one of the big reasons they you know they have the the New York football club that they bought it and so yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think this MLS is is one of the you know M- MLS like in the US is one of the markets where it's expected to to get better, you know, especially with the World Cup coming back again to the US. Yeah. So I mean, I mean just just look at Los Angeles. I think that's a good example. You had Chivas USA, which was a failed experiment. And and even though that team failed miserably, and I think at the time, I think she was, I think Jorge Vergara had bought the franchise at the time for about twenty million. And uh, and then um, so once once he you know that it crashed, he sold the franchise back to the league, and then the group of investors bought it. I think it's about a hundred million that they paid for it. I mean, you're talking about a team that failed, man. That's, you know, oh, God damn, that's a lot of money. They got a lot of, uh, well, they got a lot of beef for their, uh, like, Latin players only rules. What, you mean Chivas USA? Yeah, Chivas USA. That, you know what? It was poorly planned, man. <laughs> everything, the name, it was everything. Mexican players was... at first, right? No, no, they weren't gonna do. They weren't gonna. And, I think uh, initially it was Mexicans, and then and then they changed it to. Uh, that was that was the original idea. Know. Like, like it's gonna be Mexicans and Mexican Americans, but yeah. they just can't do it without you know. You could get lawsuits for discrimination and all that. So it was gonna be heavily, like a heavily Mexican squad. So about half of it. They sent all these canteranos from Chivas. And it was, dude, there was a lot of bad players. They didn't really send their better players. They sent, you know, a bunch of petardos. Just <laughs> really bad players, man. Um, some of them, that's it. They're not even playing anymore. Uh, some of them, I should say mostly, almost all of them. And then they sent some of the veteranos. They said, dude, they were damaged goods. They sent Ramon Ramirez. This guy had just gotten like a knee injury for like the fifth time. He could only play like five minutes, man. It was painful to see him. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just, he could do like a sprint and then he'll be gasping for air. It was bad. And then they said Pulpo Suniga. Pulpo Suniga was like, you know, he was a very iconic goalkeeper for Chivas, but he was injured goods, man. You know how long he lasted in the field? Five minutes, dude. Inaugural match. He's in there for like five minutes. He does like a save. That's it. He couldn't get up. He like he carried, <laughs> he carried him out in the stretcher. And they he had the lifeline. Him... He had the lifeline button on his chest. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. He's... laughs> much, dude. And uh, and the the young kid that they had was um was. Was um, Brad Gusan? They were calling him El Gusano, Brad Gusan, yeah. and, and he ended up just being the starter. And he's a talented kid. He ended up, 
ended up, you know, going to Europe and playing in the World Cup and everything. So, but yeah, that, that team, like going back, cause I, I got to cover it at the time I was doing some work for, uh, some newspaper in Mexico City. I was working with Martin. So I was, I was covering the Chivas USA games. So I go to other home games and, um, and I got to work with Luis Bueno. <laughs> Guy was one of the first to do the, um, Liga MX English, you know, you don't hear about him, but he was, he was, he goes back to like 2002, man. Anyways, uh, that, that team, you know who built that team? It was Hans helped build that team. So it was Hans that he brought some of the, some of the youth players. And then for the U.S., it was another Dutch guy, Thomas Rongen. But, and then all the ones that Thomas Rongen got, the, the, you know, the gringos ended up doing way better. Way, <laughs> all the gringo talent, they just, they excelled, man, because they had Brad Gusan, and then they had the one, the Mexican Jew, what was his name? He ended up in Tigres. Man, I can't forget, I forget his name. Remember, he was a winger. Uh, Chiquis, you don't, you don't remember? Come on, Chiquis, man, it'll come uh, what, to me. What do you, you, you call him? The Mexican what? <laughs> He was a Jewish Mexican. Oh, uh, long hair guy. No, he didn't have long hair. He, he had oh, brown no. hair, kind of curly. He went, he ended up in Liga MX. He also played in Selección, uh, with the U.S. Uh, and, and so they had Sasha Clayston. Yeah, like five players that ended up all becoming, you know, going to Europe or, or playing at the U.S. national team. God damn, it's gonna eat me up now. I can't, I can't, can't believe I'm forgetting that dude's name. Yeah, I can't think of it. They had some okay players back in the day. Um, I think Costa Rica, a Costa Rican guy, and maybe like some Honduran guy. And then there's this one Cuban guy, I think, who defected. He played for Chivas, yeah. I believe. Yeah. He had like one really good season. Yeah. He had one one just top season and then he he disappeared, man. So moving it's on. It's Jonathan Bornstein. Oh, there Bornstein. you go. Bornstein. There you go. He Bornstein. 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 Yeah, I don't know he how you pronounce the, he's it. He's the one that scored the golazo against the U, the Mexican national team. <laughs> yeah. In, a, in the Gold Cup, right? No, man, you're confusing them. Oh, he's you're the one confusing. that screwed up for he screwed up for the Phil US. Bearer. You you're thinking Phil Bearer. Fellheimer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah. nah, Bornstein ended up playing in Liga MX. Uh I think he went to Tigres and he, he might have played in another team. Um but, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we, Tigres Atlante in Querétaro, man. So he was in he was in Querétaro up until this season. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he fell off the radar. But you know, I mean, dude, that he was playing in Querétaro, it says a lot, man. Because you you look at the, the the Mexican talent that they sent, it's like they all disappeared. I think one of them was playing like in. Third division in Guatemala or something. 
they were, they did like a special and I'm not kidding, dude. They would wait and then they were riding back of a pickup to the games. So some guy would just, you know, come and all the players would jump in the back. It's like Sunday pop team, man. And then play in some dirt field. And that's, that's where that guy was at. Like the, yeah. So what's next but on get, the docket? Oh, go ahead. No, no, I mean, just looking back at that, Chivas, you were saying right, how poorly poorly planned it was because, you know, they thought, okay, with the name, it's going to do good, you know. Chivas, people are going to see Chivas. But it, 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 it ugh, alienated a lot of fans. And then the whole Mexican-only thing, it just wasn't going to work in the U.S. Mm, I, I still think they could have been like a sister club, and then they could have just done their own thing, you know? Chivas used to be called Union. They could have just called it Union, you know, or something like that. And and it would have made more sense, you know? And then they could have brought in, like, Central American fans and whatnot. And, and then they could have been, like, you know, and then and then gringos and everything, and they could have just been, like, Club Union, you know? Which is how Chivas started. It was, it was, um, it was, it was uh, French, Belgians, English, Spaniards, Mexicans. That was that was Chivas in its early years, right in its start. But I, I think they completely missed it, man. <laughs> they missed the mark, and they were sharing the stadium with the Galaxy, and it was it was a mess. It was a mess. Okay, um, but enough 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 talk on the Chivas. Broncas. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like the the Vela Carlos Vela beef, and then uh, Carlos Salcedo. I don't know if you want to go into that. Yeah, but give me a second. I'm gonna have to. Um, I'm gonna have to disconnect. I'm a, give me like. Give me like two minutes. All right. Okay, so I guess since Hoel's out, let me. Uh, So we're going to talk to the, let me, let me go over this, uh, Carlos Salcedo problems he was having. Apparently, I mean, we knew from long ago that he had issues with his family. I think money grubbing issues. Um, he tweeted out a three page explanation of what's going on and issues that he pretty much aired out about his family, his mom, his dad, and his sister. And it seems to me, without going into every single word he put on that tweet, that uh, um, he has his wife, his friends that are on his side, and everyone else, or his cousins as well, and everyone else is against him, including his parents and his sister, who seem to be gold diggers. That's how I understand things from Salcedo's perspective, Cardinal Salcedo. Uh, so that's a lot of, a lot of drama going on. Let's see if I can bring up this, uh, this tweet. Which is, uh, unfortunate because it's distracting from his play. 
the last thing we need is him to have issues. But uh, uh, he, I mean, he's, he's been playing all through it. He's been playing well for the national team, for his club um, in Germany. So he seems to be a very strong uh, willed, strong mentality. Um, even going through all these problems with the closest of family. So, yeah, he, he in his tweet, he calls out Carlos Joel Salcedo Zamora and lists grievances against him, his dad. He lists his mother and, and goes A, B, C, D, list of things bad that she does. And then finally his sister, A, B, C, things bad that she did, including in all caps, put his career in risk, uh, which is crazy. Not something that family should do. Uh, apparently there's some, uh, he, he claims there's some psychological uh, instability there with his sister as well. Some uh, interning, internment of clinics that she had experience being a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, in the loony bin, I guess, if you want to say it that way. So... Bad stuff going on there for Carlos Sacedo. We hope he uh, gets what he needs as well as his family. That's one side of the story, at least. And then Carlos Vela had some issues. He had to clarify. I didn't read too much on what went on there, but... Uh, pretty much the same deal. He had a statement. Someone trying to uh, bring him down, blame him for things. Uh, let me read it real quick. Yeah, just, just drama on his end as well. So, we'll see what Ho wants to talk, if he wants to go into any of that, but one thing we definitely want to do is go into the Liga MX uh, week 13. We're getting close. We're in week 13. We've got five more weeks to go until the end of the season, and Liga commences. Week 13. I'll talk about this later this week and uh, for the game of the week, the match of the of the weekend. But I'm thinking to give a hint. I'm thinking it's going to have to do with cats. So I'm back, Chiquis. What's up, man? You miss me? <laughs> yeah, just just rambling on a little bit. What What was the topic? Chiquis rant. I was no, I, was, I wasn't rant, ranting. I was just rambling about uh, 
going over the Salcedo stuff. Oh, man, there's a lot. There's been some crazy stuff going on with seleccionados. Uh, so there's a lot with Salcedo, man. There's two Salcedo things. Salcedo and Vela, right? Yeah, there's two things with Salcedo. So one was um, he had gotten a girl pregnant a few years back. And it was like one of those adventures, you know, those one-time things. And he he found out when he was like, I think he had signed for Fiorentina when he had just left to Italy uh, or Germany and then known to Italy. Anyways, uh, so he he talked about taking a DNA test and he's like, yeah, I was always willing to be responsible, you know. But the yeah. thing is, he's married. That's that's the thing. He's married. And then, um, and then recently, his mom was talking about that his wife was cheating on him, and I guess like that's probably as consequence for him having these adventures. You know, she was probably like, "Well, if you're gonna do it, I'm gonna do it." <laughs> I didn't. Well, in his statement, he said that his parents and his sister contacted the girl to make sure that she got what she deserved from him. And he, he eventually did get the DNA test and it came back good or it came back, you know, positive. And so he retroactively paid the three years for the girl. And it's going to continue. Three years? Yeah, because the, 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 girl's, the, the girl's three years old now. I guess. Oh, but, but the but the parents and the sister. Oh, you paid back like, fees. He's, yeah, he's back got fees. that on eight. That's an eighteen-year deal, though, chickies. He still yeah. have. Yeah, uh, but he's still going. He's still going. So he, he still he's going to be responsible. Fifteen more. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be responsible. But his 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 parents and stuff are getting into his business because I think they want. They're they're, they're money grubbers, man. They're gold diggers. <laughs> That's what he's saying. And then he goes into this tweet and it doesn't say anything. It says that his wife and his friends are still by his side, even through all this, whatever, if it was infidelity, I don't know when, how long he's been married. Um, I don't see anything about his wife in his tweet. Of course, you, you might've heard that from somewhere else, but uh, in his tweet, he doesn't say anything about his wife or whatever, but he does list out like uh, he lists out by name, his dad, and lists out like three, like a whole bunch of things that he does, he does bad <laughs> to him. And then he lists out his mom and then a bunch of things. And then he lists out his sister and a bunch of things that they, they just do that like they're his, doing to hurt him. His dad made a statement, uh, recently. He was talking about, he said, as his father, I feel no way. No, not not shame. Pena, how would you how would you describe Pena, Chiquis? It's sort of like embarrassed or shame. That's embarrassed. No, yeah, you am embarrassed. embarrassed. Yeah, and disillusioned and deception. Yeah. Of what's going on with my son against the people? Okay, this is confusing. Okay, he seems like a rant. <laughs> he goes on about sacrifice. And get to the point, old man. Um, yeah, he's he he 
la cantinfleo, man. He, he, he went on a cantinflas like rant where he says a bunch of stuff and, and doesn't, you don't know what he was talking about. Okay, so, so that was. Cantinflas. Okay, that was, that's a waste of time. I was, I was reading that statement from, uh, from Medio Cierto. That's what I get for going to that site. Um, never mind. But the other, the other stuff with the other Carlos, this one, Bella, it's yeah. a bit more saucy. Uh, so this, this was a lady boy that filtered. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. She filtered a WhatsApp chat or, or a chat from one of the, which, which makes me think it might not be real because I don't think any of these guys would be dumb enough to use their real name, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if you're, you're going to be using some social media to contact people, like, like to contact girls and stuff, I don't think they're going to be that stupid where they're going to put, you know, the real name and the real pictures and all that. Uh, and those are easy to fake, you know? You could, you could take, you could, you could, they're just easy to fake to say, oh, look, I got this, you know? Yeah, like if you send a screen cap, yeah, to send a screen cap and all that. Um, so that lost, that lost some traction. <laughs> For like the first day, it was gaining momentum. Uh, Bella even said, like, I don't, I don't know who this person is. You know, I don't know why they're doing this, but you know, I have nothing to do with that. And, and I think there's nothing there because I mean, if it was legit, then that person would take their phone, you know. And, and even yeah. then, it would be kind of difficult. It would be kind of difficult. Oh, man. These players getting in all these drama, cheekies. What are we going to do with these guys? Oh, I think it's just uh, in both cases, if the Vela thing is false, uh, in both cases, just people that are after money. People that yeah. people that want because you can tell from Instagram and stuff that Carlos Salcedo's family they like living the good life and it and it seems like he's the the source of the money. Oh, for yeah, for sure, man. Even the sister has like has gotten some internet fame. She, yeah, she does like a podcast or like. Uh. Ravano, leader is yeah, yeah, she does that. Uh, so she's like a mini celebrity within the the Chiarmanos, man. Speaking of Chiarmanos, chiquis, we had we had a uh, a former CEO of Omni Life, Jose Luis Higuera, man, and he gave an interview with Gurwitz. And he, he was just, you know, he was dropping some truth bombs on, on Matias Almeida and it backfired on him. <laughs> the fans are, the fans hate him even more now. Uh, so, so basically Matias had claimed that he had loaned money to Chivas so that they could pay the players, uh, cause they owe the players, uh, prize money. He owed them price money. And at the time, Chivas was going through some financial problems. So 
and so you gotta set that we weren't gonna pay them. It was just taking us longer, and and it was becoming an issue because some of the players were demanding. You know, they were making an issue out of not wanting to wait longer for the money. And you gotta went on to say that the only reason that that Matias did the loan was because he had money tied up in Italy and that that was a way that he could move. He could move the money, I guess, to, and then he could make money off of that because he charged to us high interest rates. Which I, and people are criticizing him like, why would you be stupid enough to pay him the high interest rates? You know? <laughs> and it could have been to appease him or, or maybe because they owed him money too. Who knows? Uh, but the fans, man, they, they turn on Nigera even harder. And they're just laying it on him. And I, I think, you know, I think it was a mistake on his part to try to like air that out. Especially now with, with Matias in San Jose and, and just not around. It was just, his timing was wrong, you know, and, and there's no need for that. But, but I also, it's something I've been saying for a long time and my Chi, Chi hermanos criticized me a lot where I said, this guy isn't exactly the saint that we make him out to be, you know. Mati, he he oh. he's had his own interest because they, they always made him seem like he was like a hundred percent for the club, and and uh, I'm not saying he's not genuine or that he didn't have good intentions, but he's always had, you know, he, his he priorities. Does. His priorities were elsewhere. Than, than what the majority of Chivas fans think they were. Like like even when he signed that five year contract, he was never gonna he was never gonna do that five years unless no better options came out came around, you know? So it's not like he really wanted to be in the club and he would have stayed no matter what. He was just doing it at that point more for the money. Yeah, you, you gotta look after yourself. You can't blame yeah. him for looking after himself. But uh, well, was, it's like, amazing. It's amazing what a uh, hugging hugging a goat after winning the Copa <laughs> MX yeah. Yeah. and taking a and having like not long, uh, luscious locks of hair can do to Gold, have Chiva, have golden <laughs> have a good, have Chivas and Manos uh, be faithful to him forever. <laughs> yeah, and you know he had said when they won, he's like, "I'm gonna get a tattoo of the crest." You know, he said it during the whole euphoria of the win. Like, I'm tattooing the crest. And yeah. then he goes get a tattoo, but it's of the cup. It's of like of a cup. She looks pretty phallic. <laughs> like a weird looking cup, man. And I was like, that's not the crest, dude. The, the JCO's yeah. goalkeeper coach showed more love, man. That guy yeah. actually did get the Selección crest tattooed on his leg. We put oh, a picture man. on our Facebook, uh, if any of you, Faithful listeners want to join the La Cantina Facebook. Quick plug right there. We we have a face. Tenemos el face. And we have an uh, Instagram too. We have an Instagram where we'll put our ugly mugs pretty soon. I have a picture with our good friend Martin. And uh, I'm, uh, we're going to post it up. You can see what, you know. Ya viene Halloween. I'm going to get a good scare. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but you know, and I'm gonna say this because because I, I you know I like Mati, but but um just the way he came to me, which was um he knew that Chepo was working, and not only that, it was pretty savage that he had to he had to do an interview with with Nestor, who is Chepo's brother, you know. So he's getting an interview for the Java, which is damn, that's pretty vicious, man, on yeah. on Higuera's part. But then. I, he's he's going along with it, man. And he already knew he was going to stay because when he arrived, he arrived with his with his squad, just like four four other coaches with with enough luggage. You know, they didn't just have like the travel one. They didn't have the travel bag. They had like, you know, they were they were bringing like all, all you know, like four or five carry on and everything. Um, so yeah, he, yeah, man, he knew. So, and and you know, I'm gonna say he's an ambitious, dude, man. But you know, to the Chi Hermanos, come on, man. He's he's not a he's not exactly a saint. He's had his he's he tried jumping ship a bunch of times. It just never worked out, man. His agent was all over the place, trying to get him Paraguay, trying to get him in La Liga. He he tried, dude, and he he failed every time. And uh, it's 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 very interesting how, you know, uh, Chiva fans just kind of ignore that, or they like they pretend like it's not true. Well, uh, one Chiva fan in particular, our, our fellow Regal, uh, believes yes. that that believes that there was a FMF uh, or that uh, what's his name Vergara blacklisted him from the national team, so he wasn't able to. Truly get a yes. shot. Yes, it, it, I agree with that. But and you know what I called it here when uh, way back when when um, when Chivas had announced that they were parting ways with with Matias, and so his agent his agent filtered the like the the letter where they were negotiating like uh, how much money he was going to get. You know, for if he signed off to to you know, they wanted it to be like a mutual termination, as opposed to Chivas is firing you. You know, like because cause Chivas just fires him. He's like, you know what? We don't want to work with you. They they were gonna owe him like three years, I think, three mm-hmm. years of wages. But if it was like a mutual. Then they could come to an agreement and pay him less money. Um, and I, I think his agent filtering that, it just, that wasn't going to sit well with none of the owners. Because then you're not going to trust that guy to do deals with, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And especially with the way things are in FMF and, and just all over the Liga MX, just how they do, there's a lot of shady deals there, man. There, there just is, you know. I mean, just, just Mati, the whole thing of, of the transfer money from Italy. I mean, it, ha- it happens everywhere, not just in Mexico. We had the Panama Papers recently with all these players from La Liga, you know, going through mm-hmm. Panama to banks and all that. Yeah, and you always see these high profile players always get in trouble because, you know, hiding money and hiding the, you know, offshore accounts and all that. So it's it, so yeah. You're not gonna you're gonna you're not gonna have 
You're not going to trust this dude. So I think a big part was this agent that screwed him over. I don't think on purpose, but screwed him over as far as, like, he hurt his chances just by, just by trying to, like, I guess they were trying to make Higuera look bad, but then he ended up looking bad himself. Yes, it's, it's still just being like a not, it's, it's a risk. Like you think it, it, it looks like JCO, JCO is wanted to springboard, didn't really, goes to Paraguay. And apparently he's wanting to springboard off of there. He's wanting to leave there after barely yeah. getting the job. I think he wants Colombia. Um, and then Almeida didn't get really what he wanted. He ends up going to San Jose. But, uh, I, I'm skeptical or I'm thinking like, what is, uh, Tata Martino actually thinking, looking at all these people that go to Mexico and end up, maybe they make a good bit of money, but then their career doesn't really progress. Like I think JCO specifically wants, wanted his career to progress. He wanted Europe and, yeah, and coach there. Yeah, it was definitely. But, he didn't do the. He didn't perform well enough to, to make the springboard. No, what you know, and and uh, JCO, and it's interesting you bring up JCO. It's interesting you bring up JCO, you know, along with Almeida, because they're they're fairly similar, where they saw success against the smaller teams. So, so you know, remember JCO? They, you know, the Mexican media was. Pumping sunshine on him, cause he's like, oh, he, he gotta win, he gotta win in Canada. And Mexico hadn't won in Canada like in 20 years. Uh, never mind, they had played like maybe two times in those 20 years. <laughs> you know, but that was the whole thing, like, oh, oh, they, they won, they won in San Pedro Sula, you know. And it's like, yeah, Mexico beat in Honduras in Honduras, they just hadn't played in San Pedro Sula, cause they would play in, in their other stadium, you know. Um, yeah. I forgot the other venue. Um, anyways, so stuff like that. But but so with JCO, even like qualifiers and stuff, he was getting like all these wins, and his record was against all these teams that were that were like weaker than weaker than La Selección, you know. They're yeah. beating all these same, very similar with Mati, where he won a lot of these cups, and it was against. A lot of second division teams, Copa MX, he, majority of teams he beat were, were reservas or second division teams. Uh, he, he wins a super copa playing against Veracruz, you know, mm-hmm. which Veracruz had won the cup and that's why they played Chivas, you know, and, and, but, but the Veracruz, they won the cup and the one that played Chivas were like two different squads. They had sold off all of their players. So he won the majority, you know, Majority of his wins came against those teams. Uh, if if you go and you look at his record, especially Liga MX record, and and then you see his head to head against the strong teams, you know, which were the the top five teams of that season. How did he do against them? And year after year, and it was not it was he he failed most of the time. Team didn't do good, and then at home he won a year without winning. Well, a whole season without winning at home. For league play, so if you're, you know, if you're scouting him, you're keeping, you know, you're, you're, that's what you're valuing the most. The league, how he's doing in the league tournament against the really top teams. You're not seeing how he did against Liga de Ascenso, you know, yeah, or or how he did against MLS teams. 
you know, no disrespect to those clubs, but you you're bringing him for a club coach. You wanna you wanna see how he excels in that, you know. And then the one the one season when they won, but that's when when the club just opened the piggy bank and they they spent about sixty million dollars on players. That Chivas team was the third most expensive team, just just under Tigres and Monterrey. Yeah. Yeah, so I think he, uh, even if, you know, even getting blacklisted from the national team, uh, he ended up, you know, pretty much where he was due. Well, yeah, that's he, why I tell the Chiyarmanos, like, if, if this guy is as good as you guys are making him out to be, then he should be in La Liga or EPL, you know. Or a Connable team. Maybe Bundesliga. Yeah. Mexico isn't the only uh, place to springboard to. So you wanna you wanna finalize the show with the preview for the. Ah uh, yes. Yes. Uh, let me pull it out though, man. Let me whip it out. Chiquis, <laughs> give me a second. His uh, calendario. Um, here it is. Match week 13, man. We're, we're five. Five away. Including the 13, you know, five more weeks left of Liga MX action. And then, um, and there's still a lot of places up for grabs, you know. Because it ends at Jornada 17. So, Match week 13, here we go, man. One of your favorite matchups, Chiquis. Atlas versus Veracruz. <laughs> this is, this is a... pretty much against the worst teams, man. This is like watching bum fights. <laughs> bum fights. <laughs> <laughs> Those are actually entertaining, though. <laughs> These are the two last place teams. Yeah, it's like you're forcing them to fight it out, man. Um, oh so gosh. that's... that's <laughs> Atlas versus Veracruz. Then you have Querétaro, Querétaro, they're still, they still have a chance. And they're playing Cruz Azul, who are the, they're the league leaders, man. Cruz Azul, man, the, the machine. And so that, that should be an interesting match. Um, and you have Pachuca versus Santos. Let me, hold on, I need, I need, do you have a league table, Chiquis? Yes, I do. Pachuca um, Santos? Okay. No, Querétaro, what, what position are they on? Are they were like in ninth or tenth? They're eighth. Eighth, so, yeah, the top eight go to Liguilla. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they need, they need a good result against Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul are pretty much by this point in, in the playoffs. Um, a win would certainly Leave them without a shadow of a doubt. That's a playoff team. They're ten uh, points ahead of Querétaro. Yeah, they would have to lose pretty much every game, which <laughs> yeah. I I don't really see happening. Uh, I mean, not saying they can't, but no, no, this team is just they're on fire right now. So then, uh, what place is Pachuca in, Chiquis? Pachuca's in eleventh. Yeah, and they're playing Santos. Um. Santos and then Santos third. has been, yeah, Santos has been doing good. They're, 
they're right here. They have impressed us here at the cantina because they let go of three really top, top players, man. They let go of Izquierdos, who was arguably the best defender in the Mexican League. This guy not only captain Santos, he would also score goals, important goals to boot. And then the other top defender who was um, Abraujo, who we're talking about, seleccionado now, playing yeah. in, in La Liga. And then they sold Dijanini, who last season was the league's top scorer. Man, and, and then the season before that, they had so Marquesin, you know, the goalkeeper. Man, this team is like, you know, to let go of this many good players and still be top three, it's very impressive. Very impressive what's going on with the Saints. Uh, so, and then Pachuca's not doing too good. Not as good as, you know, they've been in the past. Uh, so then we have America and Tijuana. And America just was last week, they got a big win against Tigres. Um, yep. what, they're in second place, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. What are they, like one point away from Cruz Azul? Uh, two points. Yeah, two so points. that's the big, that's gonna be the big build up because we're gonna see the Clásico, which to me hurts me a bit to say it, but to me this Clásico Capitalino has been more intense than the Super Clásico, man. You know? Uh, even though it's... The Cruz Azul America? Yeah, just because they faced each other, like, in finales, you know? Or, or like, in, in, in just in bigger games. Uh, yeah. yeah. Chivas did, Chivas did come up against, against America with, with Almeida, twice in Liguilla, twice in the first round, and twice they sent us home. Uh, G hermanos forget that too. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. That's the big build up. And, and I've been predicting this since, since Pelias came on board to La Machina that they're gonna finally, finally turn it around because Cruz Azul has a history now for like what? Ah oh, man. How's it going? It goes pretty far back. They're just owned. They're just pretty much, they're owned by America, man. They, they just find ways to lose. So, I, I, I do think they, they finally gonna have a good, a good shot at defeating Las Aguilas. Um, but so, yeah, America Tijuana, and America is playing at home, so they wanna win because they wanna finish in the top places. Um, you know, especially since they got knocked out out of the cup, you know, and, and Cruz Azul is still in the cup. I think they're favorites. There must be favorites to win the cup tournament. They want, they want the doblete, man. They're, they're aiming high. Pelayas has, this ambitious guy, Pelayas, the general manager. Um, then you have Necaxa Leon. These are two teams that started pretty weak. And then as the season progressed, they became stronger. Um, what, what, where do you have them placed at, Chiquis? Uh, their 14th is Leon and 15th, Nakaxa. Okay. Not too strong. 
Sort of. <laughs> but how many points are they from eight? Uh, Leon has 13, Nakaxa has 12, and that's just three points or three points away yeah. from Peretano. Yeah, there you go. Doesn't sound so bad now, does it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just seems like they're doing bad, but at the start of that's the season, this, this team seemed like they weren't going to go anywhere. And, uh, and, uh, I think it's, it's Nacho. Nacho took over, uh, Necaxa. Jesus, I'm confused. Huh? Necaxa, right? Necaxa. Yeah, so Nacho Ambriz. It's a pretty... Oh, wait, did... What? Did he take over Leon? He was wondering, he's been in both. <laughs> no, he's at Leon, yeah, he's at Leon. He's been at, he's, he's been at he's Necaxa. Been at Necaxa. He's at yeah. He's going to be one of those coaches that's going to end up coaching every team. Because he, yeah. he was already at Chivas, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he's he's going yeah. Leano. Leano is at Nikex. 20 years from now, he's, he's still going to be hearing about Nacho, man. He's going to be at Los Buap or something. Um, and then you have Monterrey Toluca. This is, this should be another really good game. Um, top game. Cause Monterrey, man, they're trying to bounce back. They haven't been as good as people expect them. Pizarro hasn't. He was the top, their top signature. They paid about 17 million for him. He's been a no-show or not as good as they, you know, as they paid for. And then Toluca, who's, man, they've been knocking at the door for the league. Uh, they, they were finalists last season, uh, against Santos. So they lost. Um, Any take on that, Chiquis? On the, uh... Rayados versus Diablos? Uh, well, I mean, I think I even picked Rayados to win the whole, the whole league. Picked but, but they've been, uh, let me see where they're at. They're in six. They haven't been lighting it up as much as I'd like, and then Pisadro, I don't think, has been doing no. as well as I thought he would. So, uh, I think they're going to maintain a good, you know, their same level. They're sort of in the middle of the Liga yeah. qualified, and they'll just uh, they'll bomb out eventually. But this yeah. Toluca match, uh, this is in Monterrey, though. So, yeah, it should be a good. Yeah. It should be a fun match. Toluca is in uh, in fifth place, so they're right next to each other, fifth and sixth. Yes. So, yeah, it should be a pretty competitive. Match. Yeah, it certainly will be. And then, uh, and then we have Chivas visiting Lobos. And for Chivas, this is a must win. They, they, they need those three points if they want to stay in the fight. Uh, if they don't get the three points, it's pretty much, well, it already is an uphill battle, but this will just make it that much more difficult and less likely for them to qualify. So if they could get this win, it would be major boost for them. Uh, so Chivas, especially because they lost, they lost against Pumas, the, you know, the previous match week. Had, had they yeah. tied, had they tied, uh, it would have made a difference. And as we saw earlier, you know, looking at the tabla, those one, two points can make a massive difference, you know, can make a massive difference between 14th and 8th. 
Um, so that's called differential. So then, and then we have, this is probably going to be also one of the big, big games. Pumas Tigres, man. Yeah, that's gonna, that's my cat fight. That's my cat fight of the week, man. <laughs> it is. Especially Tigres coming from a defeat. They can't afford another defeat, man. Without, you know, the pressure mounting on. Even though they don't get the same pressure as the big clubs, you know, but they just, they can't afford, an, uh, you know, two defeats in a row. They would, they would really start making things complicated for them. Where, where is yes. Tigres right now? <clears throat> Tigres is, uh, they're in seventh. Yeah, see? So you don't want to drop, you don't want to, you don't want to like, with four games left in the season, you don't want to go, you don't want to be fighting to get into the eighth. You want to be pretty comfortable. And I was predicting that because their last match week is going to be against Chivas, I was predicting that by the time they got there, they would, they would already be qualified. But it, the way things are shaping up, they might still be fighting for a spot, you know? Which would not look good for Chivas. Yeah. That's, who's not very strong at home. And you don't want a team like Tigres, you know? Yeah, they're, they're, Hung, they're hungry, they're hungry hung- tigers. Yeah. Yeah, if they're hungry and they go, uh, and in desperation mode. Yeah, go have some goat for lunch. And... <laughs> yeah. No, no bueno. And then we have Morelia Puebla. I haven't kept up with these clubs. So I don't know where they're at. I think Morelia was doing pretty good. Yeah, Morelia. They're doing okay. They're ninth. Uh, Puebla's in 13th. But yeah, it's, it's Puebla. Morelia's right under Querétaro for the eighth spot. Yeah, Morelia, uh, they, they sold their top striker, which was a Peruano, Ridia, Ridas, Ridas, Ridias. Yeah. yeah. They sold him off to MLS and, um, he was, he was a difference maker, man. He was, he was scoring some clutch balls and I thought they were going to suffer, but to be a ninth, seems like they're keeping up, especially being a team that didn't invest heavily, didn't, didn't really bring in anyone noteworthy. Um, so for them to still be there, they're they're doing pretty, you know, they're they're doing better than expected. As for Puebla, that's that's Paco Palencia's team, man. No, no, wait, Paco Palencia's in Lobos. Who's who's in Puebla, man? I forget who they. They're both Puebla. That that's because both Lobos is also from Puebla, but they're the university team. That's the Buap. That's the Buap part. Huh? Old man mess. Old man Mesa. Oh, that's right. Ojitos. Ojitos. A, he's a good coach, man. Yeah, he's a very fun. good coach. He had been in Morelia, so he, he helped with the Morelia revival. Yeah, Ojitos is interesting because, if I'm not mistaken, it was around the time that, because Morelia owned by Tevasteca, so around the time that Tevasteca acquired Atlas, they sort of forgot about Morelia and they were putting all their money into Atlas. They had Rafa Marquez and they were trying to, trying to, you know, build that team up. That's going to be their franchise team. But then you, and then you have Atlas can't even make it to Liguilla and you have Morelia, you know, winning all these good games and, and putting up the good fight. And, uh, 
And yeah, they're, they're like the forgotten man. They're like the redheaded stepchild that Tevesteca has forgotten, and they're still overachieving. So uh, good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Hopefully, someone that cares for the club will buy it. <laughs> yeah, I was in, I was impressed with one of the games from Carlos Fierro. That's right. They have, they have Carlos Fierro, man. I, for, I almost forgot about him. He's, yeah. yeah he, hey, he didn't play he, the recent, most recent one, but all right. I think he came in as a sub, but yeah, one game he played hey, well. But I, I still have faith that he's going to be a late bloomer. <laughs> he's 24. We've had players like Oribe Peralta and even like Matador Hernandez that didn't really blow up till they were like 28. Yeah, it's a possibility. And, uh, you know, Carlitos Fierro already has two trophies under his cabinet. Well, three, an under-17 cup. He was with Chivas when they won the, the doblete. And then he won with Querétaro, the Copa MX. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. He has a few trophies there, man. At least rare. Replica trophies right there in his cabinet. Hey, not bad, dude. Not bad of a career. He, you know, you call him a fracaso, but very few players are going to make it pro, and even less are going to get to win championships. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, speaking of that, like, trophies and stuff, uh, did you see the picture of Almeida in uh, San Jose with a, with a picture of all his trophies? That was quite impressive. I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Well, he has, he yeah, has well, the. Oh well, I mean, if they combine the ones he did as a player with the one as coach. Yeah, yeah. I think all of them. Yes, yes, quite a few. Yeah, man. Sounds this. This is a pretty good weekend of uh, Liga MX. Yeah, he's gonna get back into action, uh, closing in and. You know, the, despite the whole Tata Martino, it's not a, you know, it's, it hasn't been confirmed. Really strong rumor, but it hasn't, hasn't been made official. I still think there might be a possibility that you might have a Piojo or a, even still even a Tuca sneak in and take the job. So who knows? We'll see. Yeah. I think a lot of it's going to depend on and how the league shapes up, how some of these teams look. Because that's, that's what we've seen with the national team a lot of times. A coach that's been doing good, they end up with the selection. Uh, when, when, when Chepo took over, he had won a bicampeonato with Toluca, and he had, he had like, and then before that he had won with Chivas. This guy was coming off of three, three league championships. Um, Mojitos Mesa, he had looked really good with Necaxa. He got to the final. He, they lost to Chivas. But then he went to Toluca, and that Toluca was one of the – it's very epic team. And and they had won a couple titles, and that's that's when he he got handed over the Selección. Same with Manuel Puente. He had, he had turned Necaxa into – quite a legacy team and, and that he got the selection as well. And and then before that, 
when he first got it back in 90, like 91, 90, he had one with Puebla. So that, you know, you have this strong tradition of, of, of a coach that's doing really good in the league to inherit the selection. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again, you know. Well, Tata's been at Atlanta, and I've been surprised at the attendance that that team gets. They like oh. they've beaten a bunch of Liga MX games as far as attendance <laughs> at their stadium. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of uh, MLS has good attendance, man. Even uh, LAFC, well, their stadium's not that big. Seattle, dude. The, the yeah, Sounders. Seattle and. But, uh, but like Atlanta's like an expansion team and they just came yeah. out like all, like blowing up. I guess that, that city wanted that. But same, wanted dude, same, same with LAFC and Seattle from the, from the get, from the get go. I'm not too sure on Chicago, but yeah, some of these, it's one of the leagues with the, with the, with the better attendance, uh, record. Yeah. So that's interesting. I don't know how, how, what kind of love he gets there in Atlanta? How how much he likes it? Yeah, but, uh, we didn't do our we didn't do our record to see how they're doing, to see uh, you know, what position they're in, what's their league record, what are their chances of winning the coveted MLS Cup and all that. Para <laughs> la próxima, para la próxima, chiquis, we'll have to. We just Actually, we just we just have the hate. That with Actually, Messi, with with coaching Messi, he failed to win at both oh, yeah. Argentina and Barca. That's all the stats we need. <laughs> <laughs> well, like uh, you should have seen. Did you hear what uh, Faitelson told those with, guys on Picante? You mean Thomas Boy and Hugo Sanchez? Yeah, he slammed both of them, and he said, "There's nobody in Mexico that can st- that can uh, that can uh, match his skill level of his, as a coach. Nobody in Mexico has coached Barcelona." And he just like shut yeah. them up. They're like all upset. But Atlanta's in yeah. first place in the in the Eastern Conference. Ah, oh, well, there you go. There you go, man. There you go. So we'll see. We'll see if what happens. So, yeah, yeah, not bad. Not bad, man. Not bad. But but you know that's the other joke. If he couldn't win with Messi, what hope do yeah. we have in Mexico? You know. Well, yeah, but can you win with the trophies? What's gonna happen? <laughs> Who will they even bring the trophies? <laughs> That's the closest we have to Messi, dude. No joke. <laughs> if he ever gets called up, like, it's the closest we have. Him. Every every so often when he he pulls something out of his ass, yeah. not consistently, but every now and then he'll he'll do he'll do something that looks reminiscent. Um, yeah. But yeah, Chinkies, I think that's all she wrote, man. Alrighty. Uh, yeah, man, thanks for coming on. Thanks to everyone yeah. who listens or will listen on, uh, have this podcast up on iTunes and Google Play tomorrow. And, uh, make sure to follow us on the Facebook page, Cantina mm-hmm. MX underscore pod on Twitter and also on Instagram. I need to, need to hook and you up Instagram. with the Instagram, ac- Instagram account. So I haven't, yeah. I've been slacking on it. But, yeah, uh, me too, man. And and if you're watching on YouTube, hit hit that subscribe, hit that like button, and the, the la campanita as well. That, that helps us. Alrighty. Well, thanks.
Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Or maybe uh, maybe we come on uh, tomorrow night. Maybe some guys come on tomorrow night. We'll see. Talk to you guys later.